coming to you from thefightsite.com. It's the best damn jujitsu podcast ever. Say os again. Os. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Say Oast Again podcast. Oast. Once again, I am joined by the Dream Tag Team. We got Tom uh, Tom Elliott. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing wonderfully, Matt. Thank you very much for the kind introduction. And we also have Ben Cohn uh, from Marcelo Garcia, who did make a special appearance at the gym uh, today. How are you doing, Ben? I'm surprised you could talk so well after I smushed your face. That that is fair. I mean, it wasn't the worst injury that happened today, but uh, Ben, you was not. Talk- both of them did happen against me. That is fair, but uh, Ben, you want to talk a little bit about the Unity experience, both like technique, coaching wise, and then just the overall vibe. Uh, I'll start with the vibe because I actually really like that the most. The vibe there is really, really, uh, it's really cool. Um, the mat space is like it's clean. But it's also like well worn. The the aesthetic around the gym is is like you're in a basement and you know you're in a basement. But they also did like some sprucing up. Um, the vibe of the people is awesome. People just very clearly seem to all know each other, all like each other. Everyone's saying hello to everyone. Um, I love the vibe. Um, instruction was super cool, but like he taught like a couple of things in sequence, all of it centered around getting the Darth choke. It was really, really like specific and detailed and different positions, different scenarios, all centered on a specific entry. It was so cool. Um, he explains it really, really clearly. He let, gives you a ton of time to do it. It's a two hour class. So, um, wow. He also yeah, goes up and corrects you if you're fucking up. Correct. So he takes the time to go and look up, look around at every single person in the gym. Yeah, and you have Jefferson walking around as well. Um, and uh, what was the name of the 18-year-old? Uh, Jonah. So to clarify, Jefferson Guarasi is the reigning IBJF no-gi champ. Uh, he went silver at gi pans. Uh, great match against Tynan. Uh, and then we do have a guy, Jonah, who just won Blue Belt Worlds twice. Now he's a purple belt. He's 18. Um, and he's just... He only does gi mostly, but he's freaking amazing. Like, it's the craziest, it's the craziest grip strength I've ever felt in my life. And I got to roll with another Purple Belt World Champ. Uh, um, we'll get to that, though. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's, that, what were the th- four things? You said vibe, I said teaching, what else? Just the people. Do you want to, some stories that happened? Oh, or yeah. Or just the general vibe when it comes to me there? Yeah, first of all, Matt's well-liked, which is very concerning. Secondly, the uh, um, <laughs> Jefferson came over, and I've, I've never bonded with someone so quickly as I did with Jefferson over our mutual dislike of Matt's incredibly annoying shit-talking. In addition to the fact that he's just he's so much fun to beat the fuck out of. 
there's so much joy we both derived from this like Jefferson talking about it, he's like, yeah, Matt used to, Matt's better since I knocked him out, knocked him down three times in boxing. <laughs> he's so happy when he says it. And it's so good to say, we immediately were bonding over that. Just wonderful. Um, also, Jefferson's like giving advice also and very clearly loves Matt. It's, it's the best and cutest thing. I love that shit. Uh, I know I, I, I tweet a lot about Unity, but like, I love that place. It's, it's like the best place on earth for me um the people there are all like everyone's welcoming we all go out together like last week we had a 25 person um what you call housewarming party uh the instruction's super good uh it's not like a coach will just like there's 80 people on the mat it's like a smaller space like you don't have much uh, room to roll because of so many people but like morella knows everybody's name he goes up to everybody like i was messing up a takedown technique just instead of going for an ankle lock, I was going for, uh, what's the one where you get two hands under as you step back, like on the ankle? Tommy, do you know that? Uh, from what position? A single leg. So it's like you go from the single leg, they push your head down, and then you uh, reset by getting both hands underneath their ankles and like bring their- uh, Oh, treetop? Yeah, yeah, treetop. That's what they call it in wrestling anyway. Yeah, yeah so treetop. We were supposed to be doing like an ankle lock, like an ankle lock position from there. And so I was doing that and he just came over like, Gave me all the shit in the world. But no, it's an amazing gym. Like, everyone's super cool rolling with. Um, I actually want to hear from Ben how he rolled with uh, Franco, and we'll get into our role later. Um, because this guy, Franco, he's 21 years old. We might have just turned 22. He did one purple belt competition and one world. Like, smoked everybody. No one in the gym can pass his guard except Marillo. Um, super nice guy. Just It's so insane how good he is. But, uh, Ben, how was your role with Franco? Uh, that was fucking crazy. He, um, he immediately took my back. It, like, immediately. There was no resistance. Um, uh, and I just had to, like, survive for forever. He was trying to choke me, uh, really hard. I felt like he was, like, trying to, I was like, oh, my God. Is, is this, like, oh, Marillo sent him to be an enforcer and hurt me? Like, I didn't know what that, he was that aggressive with it. Um, uh, took, he couldn't choke me from the back, so he took my. He, he ended up taking the arm, uh, and then he choked me at least, well, once or twice. I don't remember if it was. I think it was three times. He choked me to, uh, with the rear naked, twice. So um, just fucking wild. He took back from every position. I couldn't even touch his guard. I didn't even bother. I was just like, try and sweep me so I can maybe try and counter it and hopefully get a front headlock. But uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. I love that role. Um, the weird part was that I don't know what it is. I felt super heavy today and in a good way. Like I, I feel like I made people work much harder to control me than I used to. And I'm not sure what that is. It could be the fact that I'm fucking eating a lot. So yeah, that's, that's my experience with Franco. It was fucking wild. I would love to roll with him like many more times. Yeah, we actually had a, a couple of guys who were gunning for you today. Unfortunately, you couldn't get to any of them. I am, I am proud of what he, you told me he said. Like, that actually, that yeah, that, that one was good. So, Franco you actually said. isn't our enforcer when it comes to, like, new people in the gym. Um, there's this guy, Mateen, who's, like, a blue belt, who he actually won a match at ADCC trials in, like, 13 seconds. Uh, and that's who we usually send because he's, like, real skinny. He's, like, 160 pounds. Be like flying triangles, flying arm bars, everybody. 
Um, but yeah, no, Franco was saying to me even after, he was just like, I tried to sub immediately and like I couldn't. Like he worked so hard for it. I had to work so hard for it, which Franco just absolutely just shreds me. Like he used to, I remember when I first got there, he would just cartwheel pass over me every time. He couldn't make any grips, but uh, you know, super impressive that he had to work to sub you. But uh, you want to segue that into how our role went? And, uh, I do. Problems with my stuff? Yeah. Oh, uh, before that, I rolled with an old friend of mine from Marcellos, Chris Dolan, who now trains at Unity. And one of the things is, is that, like, my, my whole bottom game at this point is, like, either I butterfly sweep you or I'm coming up on the single leg uh, because, obviously, I don't want to be fucking sitting on bottom if I can avoid it. So the annoying part is, is that I can't come up for a single leg in that room. They don't allow, mm. uh, if you come up for the, you have to just go back down. So uh. it's really frustrating, that kind of role, like, where he couldn't really pass my guard for very long, um, even though he's a really seasoned brown belt, um, and also knows my game because we used to roll. Um, so, you know, it, it was it was definitely a little bit annoying in that capacity where you can't come up at all. So you just kind of have to, like, abandon it once you get the single leg, and then it's a big part of my yeah, game. Yeah, that makes it kind of hard. Yeah. yeah. But, no, that's one of um, the downers for sure. Like, um, it was actually during – so during the pandemic, you could only have, like, 16 people on the mat – um, so actually that's where I started like wrestling really well and like coming up on singles and I would just like collar sleeve, like grab the collar, ankle pick somebody. And I used to wrestle like a lot of the blue belts. So now I can't do that. And it's like really hurts. I think uh, it really hurts in the gym. Uh, just not being able to do that and develop that a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that was one annoying part, but our role. Um, so Matt is very clearly working on being actually better as a uh, jiu-jitsu artist, a BJJ artist. He's actually yeah. trying to be more deliberate with his grips and his position and his choices that he's making rather than trying to just fucking athlete his way through it. So on, on the upside, that's going to just help him grow. Like, you're going to get better. Yeah. Like, demonstrably better. Because once you get used to doing all that, you're at, like, slowly, you're going to be able to increase with speed, increase with speed. And getting back to that aggressive nature. On the other hand, his aggressive nature is part of the reason why he was so dangerous, right? So, like, that's a big part of it. It needs to be present for him to really push people who are, you know, even better than them. Um, so when he takes you out of way, he's kind of stuck because he's trying to out-technique me, and that's not going to work. He's not going to be able to. He has to push the pace in order to even have a yeah. chance. So... That's obviously a bit of a bummer for Matt in terms of, like, the last time I rolled with him, he did much better than he did this time. It was much harder for me to control him and sweep him. It was much harder for me to pass and, 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 and sub him. Uh, you know, here I subbed him, I think, I, Matt, I think I subbed you, like, seven or eight times. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and it was all different submissions. It was arm bars, chokes. Uh, uh, I think I did a heel hook. Um, it, it, was, it was for everything. So... What what he what every person who start who's like early on in their you know oh, fucking journey I don't know what the fuck else to call it whoever's early on in their training uh, you're gonna hit those like moments where you're like okay I need to like actually take the time to improve what I'm like what I'm doing and actually get the skills to get to where I need to go Matt's going through those it sucks you're gonna get your fucking ass kicked a lot especially by people who you used to give a much harder time to because you're fast you're strong you're aggressive you're you're just able to go you know that's gonna carry you so far but it's a lot better to have a really good base under that take those times where you're gonna be in those moments utilize them to their fullest potential 
put as much effort and time as you can into get improving technically because it's going to do so many it's going to do wonders for you later on down the line when you're just like a seasoned pro already or just a seasoned fucking hobbyist like myself yeah i mean i, th I also i think you're giving me a little bit too much credit um i don't think it's more like it's a conscious thing of me slowing down um i just honestly like i think ever since pans i've kind of been like in a rut where i don't have that like second gear or third gear or just honestly that aggressive uh, aggression uh, that I, I usually have. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard for me. It's, I'm having a hard time like getting that back. Like I feel like I'm in a lot of times where I've had roles where in the past, like I'd, like I'd be able to scramble out of it or it's like, I'd be first to a grip or more uh, like more insistent on it. And like right now I just, I can't, like I, I couldn't, like you were seeing in the gym, like how calm I was compared to normal. No, 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 no. When we were talking after the after the rounds, everything you said to me described it as a conscious decision. I'm sure there's an unconscious portion oh, yeah. of it coming from pans. Yeah. Because your entire fuck up was fucking up on one stupid detail, yeah. right? That'll fuck with you because you're like, I was too aggressive and I just came up, right? That 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 makes sense. Yeah. Right. That'll fuck with you mentally. But you're also aware of that, whatever is going on. And you're taking, you're, you, you're talking about, like, I'm working on it. You told oh, me yeah. this specifically, but I'm working on this, which means you are conscious of it. Yeah. It's a conscious decision to take those feelings that you might be feeling subconsciously and act upon them. And that's what you're doing. No, no, like, definitely part of it's, like, intentional. Like, one of my big things is I was getting killed um, by this one guy, Luca, who I used to always be. Uh, basically because he's super like he, he's super squat like he's a, a stocky guy so it's hard for me to get under him but he's also super patient with grips and he, he gets like he figured out if once he gets the like if you go in for a knee cut if you get like the same side collar with the uh the outside hands like i get past that way so i've been a lot more like defensive I, i've been consciously being more defensively oriented but i'm having a hard time transitioning that into offense even when i'm trying to go like, after the first couple of times you saw me, Ben, like, I was trying just to, like, bring out some aggression just to, like, get something going, go, 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 and I just couldn't. To be fair, I've also gotten out, like, maybe, like, 15 pounds on you, which is not no, helping. Yeah. I, I think you described it. You were talking about, it, like, I, I felt like a fucking truck. Um, oh, yeah, no. But I'm also having I'm really good at is, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead, sorry. But like the other thing that's in my head is like, so the pants match I lost, like I came up with like a body lock and I had the North South and I had it again twice today, but I keep like backing off, off that. And I'm like having just a problem, like pinning people. But I mean, I think it's just like a plateau. And I guess my question is like, how do you deal with plateaus? Like, is there any way to speed them up? Is it just something you got to go through? Just got to go through it. Just yeah. got to keep praying. I mean, the, the, so if you think about, it, to use an analogy, if you think about your training as like you're trying to get from one end of a maze to the other, when you're going through, you know, when you're like trying to solve a maze, if it's a really complicated one where you can't just glance at it and see all the way through, like you're going to hit some dead ends and have to back, you know, uh, trace back and figure out like where else you're going to go. And eventually you do that enough times and you get to the end, but there will be periods of time where you have to stop doing things that are working because the ceiling on why they're working is lower than where you need to be, 
right? And I think that's that's maybe what Ben's saying is like, yeah, you can like, I, I run into this all the time with like lower belts that get really good at one technique. Um, and this actually, I think, is a lot of what killed um, the success of Team Lloyd Irvin at Black Belt for the most part was you can get really good at doing one thing, you know, like maybe you're Ryan Hall, you just triangle everybody. Well, that works awesome when uh, you're dealing with other blue belts and purple belts, even good ones, because they just don't necessarily have the depth of skill to deal with that one thing. But the thing is that that game is not something that's going to carry you to the highest level on its own. So at some point you have to back off, and Ryan Holt did this, um, you have to back off of uh, your specialty and try to make your game more generalized, more fundamentally sound so that you can raise your ceiling. Yes, it lower it, may, it might lower your performance in the short term, but it raises your ceiling a great deal. So that's something that I harp on all the time. You know, people fall in love with shit like, you know, baseball chokes from the bottom. It's like, well, that's a good thing to know. And if you happen to get in a position where, um, you know, you can throw it, great. You might go to one tournament like Majid Hage did and, you know, surprise a bunch of people. But how many, how many times did that work on elite people outside of the first tournament where he did it? Like, I don't think it worked that, that much. Now, you know, he's a, a very good grappler otherwise, but that notion of having like a single sort of gimmicky move, it's just not what you need to get to the very highest level. And if you've built your game around that, even if that's an attribute of just like, I can just out, you know, move faster than everyone else. Well, when you come up against guys who can control you anyway, throughout all that frenetic movement, then you have, you just have nothing. Right. So you, you have to slow down, you have to reset, you have to make everything fundamentally sound. And now you set yourself on a course of development um, that will take you a lot farther in the long run. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, one of the other things that's kind of worrying me a little bit is um, just, I, I feel like I have a lack of it, like the lack of intensity I'm having. Yeah. Um, for like, for example, like there was a, like when I, so basically when I got to pans, right. I kind of get a little intimidated, especially in like in the second match, because like Ben seen me in competition, like I'm pretty relaxed and like calm. Like I don't really like need to be hyped up or hype myself up. Um, but then you like I'm just looking around, I'm seeing all these guys who are just like screaming, hyping themselves up, like all this stuff. And I, and honestly, like, I got a little intimidated by it. Like the guy had second round. I remember. Like, I'm standing there on the mat, like, just ready to walk out. And this guy is, like, panting his chest, smacking the, the floor. And it's just, like, I thought, like, I feel like I'm lacking a little, like, intensity. So, and, like, there was a time where a couple weeks ago I rolled really well with this brown belt who won a couple matches at ADCC trials. And, like, I, I had the intensity there for, like, for a re Like, I had intensity for that one. But I feel like I'm just missing that in my rolls recently. And it's kind of worrying me for competition. Yeah. Well, so I would say that that's, that's really two different problems. So within the gym, that's going to come and go, yeah. right? Given how much you train and how hard you train, not every day is going to be a five-star day where you're just bringing your absolute hardest game. Um, and especially as you get older, you will find out that that is completely impossible to do every single day. You just can't recover from balls out every day. And also as you get better too, the, the intensity level that you're able to bring will go up, but you'll also be able to bring your highest intensity less often 
because your highest intensity is will be a really really high gear um if that makes sense but i so you know in, in the gym i wouldn't worry about it too much you know you're coming off a pretty big competition as well where you know you had i think a decent result but you know a disappointing loss like it takes a little while to get back to it um i would expect that intensity to come back over time um i wouldn't worry too much about it in the short term i think the thing that, that the only thing that would worry me is if you don't want to go to training like if you feel so psyched out or just like you just don't want to do jujitsu oh no um, that's no, not at all yeah but i mean if you want to go train like i i think that just comes and goes now, competition is a very different thing because that's a that's a really difficult psychological problem. And I think that one of the things that's hard about it is there is no one size fits all scenario. I mean, you see pros who get themselves super hyped up, you know, jumping in the air, screaming before, you know, matches start and shit. And then you have guys like Marcelo Garcia, who is famous for like taking naps under the bleachers and people would go wake him up. He'd get warmed up, he'd go take a nap. His you know, teammates would wake him up before his match. He'd just go out there and just fuck guys up. So it, it's almost all a question of what you need as a person. The only way to figure that out is to do it a lot. The two things I would say are important there are, A, you have to figure out what the right excitement level is for you to be able to pull the trigger right away. Right. I have had competitions where I was way too tense and I couldn't pull the trigger. And I've had competitions where I was way too chill and I couldn't pull the trigger quickly enough. Everybody has some kind of optimal level of arousal and competition where it's like, all right, when you step out on the mat, like if you see an opportunity, you'll go for it. And you need to be there, not above and not below that. And again, the only way to figure that out is experience. And the other thing I would say is one of the things that's really important for mindset and competition is how you contextualize what you're feeling and what's going on around you. So like when you're talking about guys are screaming and, you know, hyping themselves up after many, many years of competing, my reaction when I see people do that is like, this guy's going to gas. This guy's yeah. like too amped up. He's going to get tired. Like he's going to come out like, you know, a house on fire. I just need to weather that initial, um, that initial burst, you know, slow him down a little bit with gripping, neutralize him, and then he is going to have a big old adrenaline dump, and I'm probably going to whoop his ass. Um, and, you know, conversely, if I see guys who are super, super relaxed, it's like, all right, you know, I probably, if I come at this guy a little, I might be able to catch him off guard. You know, I want to blow my own wad, but I'm going to go after him a little because he seems too chill. He seems too distracted. Um, and even when you're talking about yourself, um, you know, the, the feelings, uh, I know you said you don't get very nervous, but I, I'm sure that many of our listeners get super nervous when they compete. Even how you contextualize a feeling like that matters a lot, right? You can say, hey, I'm really nervous because I have to go out here and compete, but the, the physical feeling and the mental feeling of nerves and excitement are very similar, it's so like if you can get into a headspace where you contextualize that energy as excitement, like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to go kill this guy. That can become a positive. And it, it, a lot of that is really just how you contextualize how you feel and, and how you approach it. So, yeah, I mean, if you don't get that hyped up, like, okay, but don't contextualize it in your mind as I'm not hyped up enough. I'm not into this enough. And, you know, make it a negative thing. Just make it like, no, you know, I'm just... I'm not nervous. I know what my game is. I'm going to execute, you know, visualize what you're going to do, how you're going to start the match, and then just go do it as best you can. 
Um, that yeah, I mean that's that's a lot, but that's no, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's I, a lot I, of what I think about competition. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Like, so I, I'm been ramping up like a lot more competitions uh, the last like six months, seven months. I actually probably like ever since the fight site, and I'm planning yep. to like really get into it like 20 next year. Like I'm doing a ton this year. Um, but You're doing Atlanta next, right? Yeah, I'm doing Atlanta in two weeks, and mm -hmm. then I think I'm gonna. That'll do, be a really good one. Yeah, yep. there's about 16 people in my division. Um, and we have a, whole, a bunch of alliance guys. No, no, Roberto Trader. I think I think no, no really big in the south. We got four Roberto Trader. Hello, my, my friend. Hello, Greg Sirico. Uh, my friend Greg. He he has a gym in Atlanta. Odyssey Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot I'm of Roberto sure. Travin guys for some reason. But I looked it up. Um, no, I, for me it's weird. Um, weird. I kind of I feel like I kind of have like two personalities when I'm competing. Um, I think I on like. I think I can compete like up pretty well. Um, like it's a thing we talk. I have a friend Luke, one of my training partners, who, like kills me in the gym, but like competition, he can't do anything. And like meanwhile, like I like to do a lot of stuff in the uh, in competition. I don't do in the gym. Like I, I struggle finishing triangles in the gym, and that's what I do in competition. Um, but then I think I also psych myself out a little bit when I see someone who's like super hyped up. Like, I just get into my mind of, like, did I do enough for that? Like, is it, I'm not a pro competitor. I'm kind of a hobbyist. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still working out, like, just the best way to do it. But it was interesting at PANS, too, like, just seeing how, like, a, every competitor just reacted. Like, Tynan, for example, stone cold, silent, walking everywhere, just relaxed. Like, even walking up to the IBJF judges when, like, Ronaldo Jr. is sprinting all over the arena. Or, like, Jefferson's, like, just, like, cursing underneath his breath. Um but yeah, no, it's something I'm like I got to work on uh, because I feel like I have a good eye potential there, and uh, it's just yeah. not there right now. Well, competing is a skill separate from being good at jujitsu. Um, I mean, you can, and that's true for any any sport, but certainly any combat sport because it's they're so psychological. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can kill people in the gym. You can have a game that works really well for you in the gym. In the gym, man, you get into competition. If you're not used to competing, it can all go away. It's so funny sometimes, and I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but you see people who, who are like, they play one game in the gym and then they get in competition and they're doing like totally different shit that they never, you never see them do. It's like, why don't you do your normal stuff? And they can't tell you, like, they just, they just did something different. And it's, um, oh, that's me. That's me. Like, it's yeah. a joke at my old gym where it's like, I didn't know how to do arm bars. And then one tournament, I just like closed guard arm barred like three people. Yeah. Like, uh, what you got? I never, like, I barely played X until that tournament, and I was just sweeping people from X. Um, this tournament, I played, like, high close guard. Yeah. Um, oh, I, that, that's me, positions. for some reason, it works a little bit for me. Because it, it's a super powerful position. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's actually, one of the things I think is a problem at Unity is I don't think we compete well, like, all that much, especially, like, the blue belts and younger belts. But I think a lot of people, I think another part of it is also, like, just style-wise, like, I kind of am, like, really physical and get, yeah. like, real, like, I play, like, a lot of, like, half-guard passing, knee-cut passing. But, like, people at the gym will even complain that, like, I'm really good at, like, getting in weird positions, like, scrambling up and stuff. Whereas I feel like a lot, like, there are a lot of guys who are, like, way more tactical than me at the gym, like, have beautiful butterfly, uh, sorry, Baron Bolo games. But yeah. I think that psychs them up a little, psychs them out a little bit because like, they just won't come up on a single. Yeah. And I think it's just like game wise, like I, I me and Ben talk about this. I kind of am a Marcelo guy at heart. 
Yeah. And I feel like yeah. that's the best type of game to play where it's just like completely physical, like coming up on singles, stuff like that. Yeah. Don't, don't confuse complex with technical, like having a complex game just means there are more points of failure. If you yeah. can get good at just coming up on singles, like just do that. Cause it, it works. Like the simpler your game can be, the, the more basic your techniques can be, but have them very, very refined. Like to me, that's that's the level of technique you want. It's like, yeah, I just single leg people, but I can single leg literally anyone, right? Like I'm not saying that about myself, but like that's that's yeah. the goal that you want. Um, right. you, know, you don't want it to be, well, I'm gonna bear and bolo you and knock you over. And then I have this complex flow chart and you know, I have 19 different potential in finishes. Like that's white belt shit. Even guys who get really good at those kind of games have a, just a couple of things that they're looking at. And yeah, they have a lot of options, but it's it's not like they're planning shit ahead, right? It's it's no. mostly improv and, and pulling out of their bag of tricks as seems appropriate to them at the time. And because they train all the time, they can do it. But it's really as simple as like, well, first I'm going to bear and bolo them. And then we're going to get into a position I know really well. And, and I'm gonna beat I'm gonna beat him there because I'm better than him because I'm you know Mikey Musumeci I'm I'm gonna beat him there because I'm better not I have this 15 point plan to defeat my opponent right that's anime bullshit yeah honestly what really made me like open my eyes towards that is uh Leandro and Morello in the gym like yeah. I was lucky enough to drill with Leandro and it's just like. When he was open drilling, he did the three things he does best, and it just it felt different than anything I've ever felt. Like he doing like that flying knee cut. Um, he did the X guard sweep, and then the Toriando. But then as soon as we started doing like we did a clock choke from the back, and he just he couldn't figure it out the entire time. Like he's cranking my neck, couldn't choke me. Meanwhile, like Morello's in the gym, knows absolutely everything. Like I see him kill guys like who beat him in competition, lose every position, and it's just because like. You go to the competitions. Leandro's the best. He knows what he's doing. Like the top three things he knows. Morello, meanwhile, it's just like, who knows what happens with him. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that what makes the difference between winning and losing at the elite level is less about any kind of specific techniques or even technical matchups. It's about who can impose their game. And the thing that you will that you will notice when you watch really elite competitors like like top top guys like Marcelo and the Mendez brothers and Hodger, their matches always look like their matches, right? They are they are creating the positions that they are best at that they want to win in, and other people end up playing their game, which they can't compete with them at, right? So like yeah. that ability to force a match into the channels where you're best is a huge part of, of elite level competition because everybody's good at everything. So it's a question of comparative edge, right? You, you have to get to the positions where you're better than this other super elite guy. Yeah. And, and it's not like I'm, I'm not trying to shit on my coach or Murrell and say like, he's like, say he's bad or anything, but the matches this year, I've noticed he's lost. It's all like when it comes down to wrestling, it's just like yeah. coming off of this single, the match he lost at pants. Uh, I think the guy say Anagi them. And then just like stalled and closed guard. Yeah. But yeah, I completely agree on you. And I think that's yeah, I mean, yeah. Marilla's passing is next level, but most of the matches that I've seen of his where he gets to just put on passing clinics, it's often because the other guy pulls guard. Like he doesn't seem to have as consistent a route to, to be on top as uh, you probably want for, for a guy uh, who yeah. otherwise is. Someone like Marcella. 
Tom? As, as someone like Marcelo. Yeah. Yeah, Marcelo was yeah. very underrated as a wrestler. He was a great wrestler. Oh, phenomenal. He had a lot of good ways getting to, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's not underrated anymore, but he, he is a great wrestler. He was at the time, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so do you guys all? So another big thing that happened, uh, of course, pants happened, uh, which I competed in. Uh, but afterwards, I think there was about eight or nine closeouts in the finals. Mm, um, yeah. In middle heavyweight, there was actually three closeouts in a row um, mm. because of unity. Um, there was another closeout in like the semifinals, and the IBGF basically ruled, basically kind of outlawed uh, closeouts. I think the rule is if you close out, there's no cash prize, um, you get no points. You get anything. DQ'd. You get DQ'd. I think you get DQ'd. I think in the that's in like in the semis or before. Um, the, maybe. Yeah. Because I know guys, in, the, in the. Do you expect anyone to protest this by doing it anyway? Yes. Do you think any school will try it? Yeah. Maybe, but probably not for very long. Um, I see Unity doing it honestly. You know, I I think that as jujitsu has become. Obviously, the Brazilians are still better at it, at least in the Gi. Um, but as it has become a more American-focused sport in the sense the biggest tournaments in Amer are in America, I mean, the biggest market for it's in, in the U.S., um, certainly from a financial perspective. I do think the, the ethos of the sport and kind of the, the standards within the sport have become more American, and closeouts are certainly not a part of that. <laughs> You know, American combat sports people compete against each other all the time, and it's just not a big deal. Um, so uh, on the same team, I should say, like teammates compete against each other, it's not that big of a deal. So I, I don't think I don't think the culture of, of closeouts is strong enough that anybody will protest it for very long. It might be different at like the Brasileiros, I don't know, or some of the tournaments in Brazil. I don't know enough about that scene these days to say, but I suspect in the U.S. any protests will be fairly brief um, and won't amount to much. I, I can tell you Marcelo won't protest. Yeah. No, I, the only reason I disagree a little bit is I think, I don't think it'll be a problem in no gi. I think gi is still such a Brazilian sport where yeah. I, I'm trying to think like, out of all the finals, like most of them were Brazilians. I mean, I'm thinking like Talison versus Bebe was Brazilian, like all Brazilian. So I think the only ones that weren't all Brazilian were, uh, I think maybe heavy. Oh no, it was all because Mateus and uh, Mateus, Mateus uh, also. Yeah. yeah, but it was pretty much all Brazilians. Um, and I wonder if that culture will just like they'll just be like fuck it, who cares? Unless the yeah. IBGF ups prize the prize money. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I, I would I would check on the DQ thing because I thought that they did get DQ'd even in the final. I don't um, think it was DQ'd. I think they just like forfeit all their prize money and stuff. Yeah, it's that they forfeit the prize money, which okay. they, they interviewed a couple of guys, including. Uh, oh, and they drop a ranking or something. I think it drops yeah. their ranking also. You you basically you lose all your points from that specific event, which gives you right. lower seeding in other events. Okay, maybe that's and then you forfeit your prize money. Yes, um, but like I'll, the athletes spoke about it. Mateus was one, and Sebastian were one. Um, their argument basically like we'll fight if you pay us more um, because we're not getting paid much from these IBGJF. Correct. They're really not. That's the yeah. problem. Like uh, IBGJF doesn't pay a lot anyway, so why the fuck would they care? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm probably biased because I've always thought the closeouts are complete bullshit. Um, yeah. Now, part of that's because I, I came up in my my first uh, combat sport for wrestling and judo. And, uh, you know, as I referenced earlier, it's really common in wrestling and, and also in judo in the U.S. Um, and in other countries uh, for teammates to compete against each other. And everybody just does it. And it just is not a big deal. And it doesn't matter. And nobody cares. And um, I've always thought it's just a kind of a, you know, if you talk to Brazilians about it, they'll they'll give you a lot of reasons for it other than ego, but it's ego. And uh, I just have no patience for that. You know, if if you can't beat me on the mat, I'm not going to, there's no reason that I should have to let you have a pass because you're more senior. And if you can beat me, then what's the problem? Beat me. You know, I, I'm over biased because it's like unity is so pro closeout. Um, but like just personally, like I, I don't. Well, why? Don't care. Why do you think that is? Have you ever talked about it? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was also disappointing because like Sebastian Rodriguez, he got his black belt last year, and he won it, not having to play, do the quarterfinal, semifinals, or finals. And it's just like, yeah. do you really want to win that way? But then on the other hand, I get like, listen, if it's closing out, you're saving your body. Like you're not getting paid much either way. And it's an accolade you can add that could hopefully like advance your career once you own a gym. I mean, I think saving your body makes more sense if you're talking about MMA or, or boxing yeah. or kickboxing. But like, let's be honest, you're not getting fucked up doing jujitsu as a rule. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their injury rates in tournaments are fairly low, especially in the gi. And, um, uh, you know what, you're worried your teammate's going to intentionally hurt you. Like, I, I don't think that's a good argument. Um, are you worried? Be I, see your, I can't, I can't see your teammate. I can't see your teammate intentionally trying to rip a Kabura as hard as they could if they get a solid position, you know, no, they're still your no. teammate, you know, they're still your teammate. Do you so think like, people will start just, like fixing matches or like, no. having, like those like fake matches? No. I hope not. I think I think that would be worse for them. They'll probably get banned from IBJJF. Yeah, I think that would be pretty bad. I mean, the fact that the IBJJF was willing to come out and and make this rule, um, I think it shows a, a fairly serious commitment to ending closeouts. Because look, I mean, they understand that even though jujitsu is never going to be a huge spectator sport, it's just too complex for a non practitioner. But even for people who do jujitsu and would watch it and would be in the audience who are going to, you know, subscribe to Flow Grappling or go to IBJJF events or whatnot. Um, closeouts are a fucking bummer, you know? Oh, it was. And especially it was. when it's in the finals against guys who are some of the best in the world. Like, you want to see them go. You know, I was there, and it was just like after – I think it was like rooster weight. So, like, all but one were a closeout. And it's just like – part of me was like also like I want to get out of there because I've been there for five days. But it's also like, dude. Like, these are the best people in the world. You kind of want to see how that ends. Well, and what's the, uh, you know, what's the, the other thing that's so silly about closeouts is it's so arbitrary. You know, as these teams get yeah. bigger, who do you have to close out against and who do you not, right? Like, I remember one of my favorite uh, Hodra Gracie matches because it's such a clinic is uh, is Hodra versus Hamilo Bahal. Well, they're both Gracie Baja guys, you know? Yeah. They never trade together much. I mean, they're you know, opposite sides of the world, but uh, they're both Gracie Baja guys. So should they have closed out? Um, you know, 
Otto, you know, as far as I know, AOJ and Otto's um, always compete. But, you know, like they have very similar lineages. They both came originally from from Otto's as a school. So, like, what? Where's where's the line? Like, who do you close out against and who do you not? I the the whole tradition is just idiotic. Well, so really, actually, the middle heavyweight story is actually funny. Um, so Sebastian was supposed to face Leandro in the in the in the uh, semifinals, and they don't even train together. So uh, Unity, like Leandro comes, but like he's at NS Brotherhood that they closed out, and then Sebastian closed out with Manuel Hibamar, who they only trained together in 2015. So they haven't trained together in six years, and it was decided by a coin flip. Yeah, why would you not just have a match? Like, why are we here? Why are we here? I agree. I agree. Yeah, uh, it's it's ridiculous. So I'm I'm really glad the IBJJF is finally doing something about it. Um, it's a bad look for the sport to have matches that just don't happen in that way. Um, it wouldn't be accepted in in any other sport that I know of. Um, that if teammate, you know, if if especially people who are not even teammates but are very tangentially connected meet in a tournament bracket, that they just wouldn't compete. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, it does. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, as long as the IBJF pays more money, I, I'm fine. They won't. Oh, I know. But they they, they probably not. won't. They it's it's no. dumb anyway, but I don't think that that's a uh, – there are a lot of reasons IBJJF should, should pay more if they can, um, and I think they probably can afford to. Um but that's not really a, a good one. Um, I don't know. They made so much. What is money the current there. prize money for winning worlds? What is the current prize money? Four thousand dollars. <laughs> what? Yeah, four thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. No. I and like you see like how much like infrastructure is being put in like the ADCC trials this year, and like you look at the sponsors, like how many are in for like. $50,000. It's just like, there's some money in the sport. I mean, it's going to be harder for Guy, of course, but I just hope these athletes get paid better because uh, being a pro jiu-jitsu player doesn't really pay the bills all that much. It, it does. And I mean, part of the problem is that the IBJ, IBJJF is not a real governing body, right? Oh, no, yeah. Like, they're, they're not. It's Carlos Gracie and his buddies running a tournament organization and taking it upon themselves to, to run the sport. But it's not like a not-for-profit. Uh, you know, like you have in every other single uh, major major combat sport. Um, and obviously ADCC isn't as well. So, you know, it's it's a very strange structure all around. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else yeah, to talk about? Prestige, yeah, the prestige is what really is holding them together. It's like because of what it is, like that's what's keeping it from falling into irrelevance. But like, you know, they're not considered the best for Nogi, so they really need yeah. to hold on to the key as much as possible. And um, yeah. it is nice. I am curious about that. Yeah, it's nice that they've changed the last two years, like the heel hook rule and this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that'll help. Um, I think there is some, you know, ADCC for the foreseeable future is probably still going to be number one just because the – you know, the qualification process is pretty robust. They do pay more. Um, people like the rule set as well. Um, 
for ADCC, you know, it, it really emphasizes wrestling. I mean, it is a submission wrestling tournament, not a no-gi jiu-jitsu tournament, and the rules reflect that. Um, you know, I, I think people do like that, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a positive move on the part of the IBJJF to open up the rules for uh, for no-gi world. And I think you've seen that already in the participation rates of uh, top guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else you guys want to address, or should we uh, wrap this up? I'm good. Yeah. Everyone here at Say O's again and affiliated fight site. Thank you for listening and say O's. O's. O's.